Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mike Zeller about five steps to enhance growth in your zone of genius. Mike Zeller, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, excited to be here, brother. Always uh, fun connecting with brilliant, talented people like yourself, so can't wait to dive in. Oh, well, thank you. And likewise, it's it's a, an exciting opportunity to be able to meet with you and to have a good conversation. Today, we're going to be focusing on the zone of genius, and we're going to talk about five steps to enhance our personal growth in that zone of genius. Uh, this is uh, something that you and your team do a lot of work in. I'll share your bio here in just a moment, but I, I really think uh, it's a tremendous thing that you're doing. We're going to be exploring things like courage to act, uh, community to test, feedback and refinement, and awareness of need as it relates to that zone of genius. As we get started, I wanted to share Mike's bio with everybody. Mike Zeller is a business architect and entrepreneur mentor who helps professionals find their zone of genius and rewire their subconscious to fuel momentum towards their life's purpose. He has mentored over 300 high-level entrepreneurs from all over the world, helping add tens of millions in revenue to his clients. An entrepreneur himself, Mike has founded or partnered in over 20 ventures across multiple industries, including technology, real estate, digital marketing, and more. Uh, I could go on and on and on, Mike, but uh, I want to give you a chance to share anything else that you would like listeners to know before we launch on into the conversation. Well, central to my mission and ethos is I love to help people win at life and win at business. And I believe you can do both. And um, and I really am insatiably curious. I feel like one of my goals is to help a million people step into their deepest zones of genius and live that life that is filled with impact and fulfillment and prosperity, because I believe you can have it all. Um, and I don't think you have to you know, in the industrial age, we shortchanged ourselves by we were a cog in a machine and uh, uh, we traded our time, the sweat on our brow for dollars and and to pay the pay the bills and make a living. But I feel like we can make a living and do what we're meant to do and do something that's fun and fulfilling. So can't wait to dive in. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I love that framing. And, and I I share your passions uh, in these areas. Uh, I also really like the the term zone of genius. Maybe you can unpack that for us a little bit and explain what you mean by that. Yeah, I found, you know, really years ago, uh, actually about 20 years ago, I took the Myers-Briggs test and I was like, wow, this is so spot on and describes so many layers of who I am. Then I took, I think the next one I took was the disc profile. And then I was like, wow, this has some other things that are really cool. Then I took the strengths finder. I was like, this also has some great insight. And I took a spiritual gifts test and I took this test and that test. I was like, they all have different clues. 
And I was like, oh, but you know what? This person has the same personality test, but they don't like to do the same things. They don't even care about some of the things I care about. So I was like, oh, that's not enough. You can't just know your strengths or know this or that. You've got to know your values. You've got to know what you're passionate about. John Wesley said, when you set yourself on fire, people love to come and watch you burn. Then I was like, ah, but then also like, all right, I'm passionate about certain things, but there's people in my life. Why, Why am I naturally drawn to these authors and speakers and podcasters? And I had all these best-selling authors as friends, even though I was just in real estate at the time, investing in real estate. I was like, that's another clue. And then, um, so your key relationships give you clues as well. And then the, the fourth area is your defining life moments, those massive ahas. And I was like, all right, where they could be whispers, whispers saying, oh, there's something here, or you're meant for something, or your soul quickens, or your heart softens, or you're your dreams are stirred. And I was like, all right, so there are four key areas, unique talents, defining life moments, key relationships and values and passions. And uh, if you put all those together, that makes your zone of genius. If you get the bullseye where there's an overlap on all four of those areas, guess what? You're, you're going to nail it. You're going to nail it. And, uh, and I've been helping hundreds of entrepreneurs figure that out over the last, last few years. And uh, I love it. Yeah, that's really great. And and like you said, if, if there's kind of, if you picture it as a Venn diagram and you look where they all overlap and you you shoot for that middle spot, um, I, I that is the ideal scenario. Now the reality is we don't all have that privilege or opportunity uh, in every aspect of our life, and we don't all have you know that opportunity within a, you know a, a given job that we might have in the moment. Um, but we can if we do the work to try to better understand ourselves and understand where that that overlap is, then over time, we can better align aspects of our life um, to fit with that. And maybe the current career I'm in isn't the right long-term fit for me. Maybe the current job I'm in or the types of roles that I'm doing aren't the right fit for me. And uh, it, it's just really helpful to go through that process of thinking about that. Yeah. And, and one, of my, one of my nicknames in college was Socrates, as in Socrates, because I would stand around and have all these deep conversations till like midnight, again, a defining life moment and a clue, and a minor in philosophy. But Socrates said, I opened my book, Genius Within, with a quote from Socrates, because he says, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. And if you look at Socrates, his ripple effects, most of Western culture is deeply influenced by Socrates, because who did he mentor? Plato and Aristotle. What are democracies founded upon? Republic by Plato, if I remember correctly, or Aristotle. I can't remember which one wrote that. I think it was Plato. Plato's Republic, yeah. And uh, and the philosophy around democracy and and uh, leaders being servant leaders, which is also embodied by Jesus. So you think of, all right, like I had all these clues about who I am. But I, they were disorganized. And that's why I, and I had all these high achievers that are in transitions, moving from this career or this business to the next. How do I get more locked in and do what brings me life instead of what brings me death? And, uh, and so I felt like the clues were scattered. No one had organized the clues. I didn't create any of the personality tests, but I helped organize, interpret, and apply them coupled with the other dimensions of your life. And when someone goes through the whole process, they get the greatest accumulation of clues about who on earth they are and what on earth they're meant to do, which is 
that lights me up of helping people find their purpose and genius. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And so you break it down into these four uh, different areas, courage to act, community to test, feedback and refinement, and awareness of need. Let's start with courage to act. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what that means and how that fits into that zone of genius. Yeah, courage to act is so important. And it starts, I would say, even before it starts with courage to act, it starts with clarity. Because if I have more clarity, guess what? I'm going to have more confidence, which means I'm also going to have more courage. When I have more clarity, I'm like, hey, this is what I'm a badass at. And this is what I suck ass at. I'm going to stay right here in my lane where, <clears throat> where I'm a badass. Guess what? I can, I can rise up and be more courageous. Um, but the courage is the first domino to fall. You got to have to make a leap into something. You got to have the, the courage to act. But what, what precedes courage? Clarity. Yeah, so uh, that courage to act, making bold, decisive, and wide, wise decisions around implementing and using our unique zone of genius. Um, but we can only do that if we first have that clarity, like you mentioned. Um, and it, it does take courage. I mean, you use that word very purposely, mm -hmm. I imagine, because uh, bold decisiveness uh, is not something that comes easy to a lot of people. Um, we have all these different narratives going on in our head, all this talk in our, in our head that's uh, trying to talk us out of things. We have all these doubts, all of these concerns. We have uh, you know, things like imposter syndrome, all these things that are telling us uh, that, that we, you know, we're going to mess up, we're going to screw up, we're going to cause harm. Uh, so we need to, you know, balance the potential weight of what we're doing and the potential impacts they can have on other people mm -hmm. with the, the need to, to move forward, to take a step into the dark. And we're not perfect. We are going to make missteps. We're going to, um, you know, have unintended consequences to what we do. We can't fully avoid that. Uh, we can try to be thoughtful. We can try to be um, mindful of all of it and to, uh, to to make things as positive as possible. But ultimately, we, we just have to move forward. And sometimes, most of the time, probably, that means, you know, two steps forward, one step back. It means we're, we're iterating. We're, we're taking a step forward. And then we realize, oh, that's not exactly what we need or want. So now we need to course correct. Um, but so many people get caught into in this uh, indecisiveness and in this um, uh, decision paralysis, and they yeah. don't have that courage to move forward. And um, can you speak a little bit more about that and how we can develop that courage? Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, like, so I'll illustrate with my wife. My wife, she is a slower decision maker, and she is a uh, more risk averse decision maker um, than me. I, if I do the personality test, she's a low or she's very high on the fact finder. I'm low on the Colby. She's a slow starter versus I'm a fast starter. Um, she's risk averse versus I'm risk friendly. All right. So I know all those things, but can she be bold and courageous in some of her decisions? Heck yeah. But she won't do it in the same way that I will because her, she need if she has done the fact finding research, what, for example, like we we got COVID vaccinated. What whatever you guys feel about that, we decided we we normally don't like vaccines, but we decided we were pregnant. She was pregnant. It was a risk worth taking um, because the risk of getting the COVID was higher. Um, so we we made a 
courageous decision when her mom is like super anti-vax, like conspiracy theorist to the 10. <laughs> and, uh, and we knew she could face some internal family backlash from that. And rejection and love from her mom is one of her core cravings. But she made the courageous decision to do that and then eventually to share it because she had enough confidence in her decision because she had done the research in the way that she's wired to um, do the research. She wouldn't have trusted me to do the research because I I would do half of the research that she would. And uh, <laughs> so and I've learned because I know her personality types and her strengths that she's way better as a fact finder than I am. She's going to read all the reviews. If we're going to go stay at a nice hotel, spend a bunch of money on a trip, she's going to read the, I'll like, I'll just see, oh, it's got four and a half stars. It's great. Let's go. <laughs> She'll read the reviews, see if the beds are soft, see if all these things. So now I have more confidence in her making certain decisions, but she also knows that she would never be pulled into making courageous decisions around her book or a business. Nothing would ever be perfect enough to be released into the world. So she leans on me for other types of decisions and other areas that she needs courage. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. That, that's a really good point. I'm glad you you articulated that. We, we all are unique. We all have our own backgrounds, our own ways of viewing and framing the world. We all have different personalities, different levels of risk aversion, for example. Um, and so there's not necessarily a right or wrong in having courage to act, but it's knowing ourselves. It's, it's uh, having that clarity, as you mentioned, and then being genuine to ourselves, having courage to move forward. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's wonderful. Um, the next one you talk about is community to test. Uh, relationships are where ideas and potential is fleshed out. Um, so we have these communities around us. Um, say a little bit more about that, why that's important and how we start to create those communities to test. Yeah, communities to test. You think of like our communities are our mirror. It's like we get to bounce something off of someone and get a bounce back and see if it makes sense, if it resonates or if you're if you're smoking crack. Sometimes we're smoking crack with our ideas, right? Or our concepts. And we need to have people that are raw and authentic and, and that also love us and believe in us 
and that are going to call us to our higher purpose. One of the things within my communities, we have policies like no weak ass language. We eliminate words like trying. Trying is a, it's like, oh, I'm going to fail, but I'm at least going to half-heartedly put a step forward and maybe, you know, I'll win uh, or whatever. That's 98% of the time, that's how we use the word trying or hope to. Hope to or want to, would love to is I want to, but I can't. So those are all weak ass, like, so in our, in my marriage, in my masterminds, in my client work, it holds me accountable to also not use weak ass language, but I hold them accountable to speak powerful I am. Like Muhammad Ali didn't say, he wrote a poem in 1964 called I am the greatest. And he wrote it before he fought Sonny Liston. Do you know, you know this story, John? Oh, yeah, it's so good. So he, he his name is Cassius Clay at the time. And he, he uh, writes out this poem. You can listen to it on YouTube. It's about three minutes long. And the audience, he starts into it. He was the heavy underdog, seven to one odds that Sonny Liston was just going to obliterate him. And he starts out the poem. I am the greatest, the greatest fighter that ever, the world ever saw, the most beautiful fighter in the world today. And he keeps on rolling. And the crowd initially starts laughing. They're mocking him. If you could imagine if they had tomatoes and pumpkins, they would be throwing them at him. Well, um, by the end of it, though, the audience is clapping and cheering him on because his conviction and his confidence. And so he had that internal sense of certainty that then he projected into his entourage. He projected into the world and he created this fan base. And he eventually obviously won Sonny Liston in a massive upset and, uh, and became what most consider the greatest boxer of all time. And, but it started internally and back to the community side, it's like the language, if we become environmental designers, environmental designers, like I asked my clients, hey, what does my environment have to look like for me to, to get eventually to where I want to go for success to be inevitable? Muhammad Ali did it. You can do it too. I can do it. We're all in the process, but it starts also with the community and the vision. Yeah. And there's all these different ways to, to, create these communities. You talked about masterminds. Uh, you have kind of, we can create personal advisory boards around us with people with different uh, types of expertise that we can lean on and go to, and they can come to us. Uh, we, we just need to be very thoughtful about that. Um, we talk about networking a lot. Networking, if, if networking to you means, you know, create a really big list of people that are connected with you on LinkedIn, um, there's only so much value in that. But if we're talking about networking where you truly are authentically connecting with other professionals, um, where you add value to them, they add value to you, you can, uh, you can share ideas and flesh things out with them, get feedback. When that's the kind of network that we're talking about, that's the community to test like, like you're mentioning. And that has tremendous value in the, our ability to develop over time, uh, to refine our thinking, and ultimately to move forward in positive ways. And frankly, to get the encouragement that we probably need as we ebb and flow in our own energy levels and our own confidence and those sorts of things. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a nudge and encouragement uh, so that we can take the next difficult step and, and you know have that courage that we talked about. Yeah, I think um, one of my goals is to be the youngest and dumbest in more rooms. If I'm the youngest and dumbest in more rooms, guess what? Then I, I can only go up. 
It's like, what if gravity pulled us up instead of down? So you put yourself in rooms that you feel uncomfortable or you, you're not sure you belong. Um, do that often enough, you're just going to be pulled up. So that's the power of masterminds because our lives are really a reflection of the people we spend the most time with. And But most of us are haphazard and lazy in how we design yeah. our communities. Yeah, and well, it, it reminds me, I'm not a good ten, tennis player, um, but I enjoy tennis and I played tennis a lot more when I was younger. Uh, I still like playing it from time to time. And what I found is even though I'm not like particularly talented, I'm not a great tennis player, I'm better when I play better people because um, you rise to the challenge, right? And that, that's the same kind of a, an idea that you're sharing. Um, if, if I'm insecure and so I only surround myself with people that I'm confident I'm going to be smarter than, uh, okay, good, good for you. You're smarter than a, a room full of dumb people. <laughs> but if you really want to stretch and grow, uh, then you have to, you know, be willing to humiliate yourself a little bit. You have to be willing, yeah. to, you know, to, to not win that tennis match. And that's okay, because you know what, you're, you're developing yourself as you go. Exactly. And, and getting comfortable. The other identity piece that if your community helps you with this, is getting comfortable with failure and redefining failure. One of my favorite stories, do you, do you know what Sarah Blakely, uh, one of the women's, or one of the most successful female entrepreneurs in the world, you know what her dad used to ask her at dinner? Hmm. What did you fail at today? So at, he would ask her and her brother every day when they came home from school, what did you fail at today? And it embedded in her that failure is growth, it's learning, it's progress, it's not the middle-class mindset. We feel like, oh, Failure is bad. Don't get bad grades. Don't make a mistake. Don't blah, 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 blah. Well, the billionaire mindset is like, hey, uh, I got to go through a couple bankruptcies. I got to go through a couple business failures. In most cases, maybe a bad marriage or something as well before I'm going to get to the right thing, before I'm going to nail it and before I'm going to figure out all the pieces. And it's all learning. It's all growth. It's all feedback. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And we, we've already referred to the feedback and refinement component a bit, um, an active process of reflection uh, that accelerates our growth. And we can utilize communities to test and, and get some of that feedback. And we need to act on that feedback. The last main point is awareness of need. Where in the marketplace can your genius be used to maximize impact? Say a little bit more about that as we get close to wrapping up here today. Yeah. So we all have genius. Now, most of us tend to forget it over time and we tend to feel like we're supposed to be someone else um, instead of appreciating our uniqueness and part of what I love to do and what my book and process I think helps people do remember their genius but um, when you're remembering your genius you got to figure out hey what is what does the world care about as well what, is, what are the unique challenges the unique problems um that would bring me life to solve and then how do i monetize and do that in a way that's aligned for example i care about clean water initiatives and human justice but i don't i don't want to start a nonprofit that's misaligned with me i don't i've worked in ministry that's not my thing i don't want to do it anymore but i love creating businesses that do good and then inspire people and then have unlimited creative freedom and a lot less restrictions, but then I can, my, one of my other goals is to help a million people have clean drinking water before my last breath. So uh, when I do some of these programs and uh, processes, it's like, 
you know, people are always asking what's in it for me. And if you can figure out whatever, how to use your gift and your genius, find, um, for example, I know with entrepreneurs or people starting businesses, I'm really freaking great. I'm one of the best in the world at the beginning of the business, the conceptualization, the architecting. I don't want to, you take me a hundred million dollar business and you just want to shore up as legal and compliance stuff. Just give me a pistol and uh, let me, or let me jump off a bridge. Okay. Because I'm, it's, it's not my gift. Um, but you can figure out pathways. The world desperately needs your greatness somewhere. Um, uh, and it's probably somewhere in the ballpark of alignment of values, passions, but you have to test. You have to also be really comfortable testing and trying and failing. And then you'll find it. You'll find the yeah, ways yeah. that you can get your thousand dollar an hour activities. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Mike, it has just been a real pleasure. This has been an inspiring 30 minutes. I appreciate all of your insights and wisdom that you shared with me and the listeners. Before we close, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. John, likewise, pleasure has been mine. And uh, for for where you can connect with me, uh, Instagram is the Mike Zeller. Same for YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, feel free to follow me there. And the book, if you want, The Genius Within, which my brand promise that has has happened without fail when someone does the whole process, which is hundreds of people now, um, is that you will have the greatest accumulation of clues about who on earth you are and what on earth you're meant to do and how to monetize that genius when you go through the whole process. So you can go to geniuswithinbook.com or it's on Amazon, of course. And then if you want a free six step guide, just want a little fun little freebie. Uh, I've got a six step guide to finding your genius. Um, and that is uh, just text genius you as in the letter U, genius you to four seven four seven four seven. And uh, would love to serve and love to answer any questions you guys have. And then my last word, my last word is you were born for greatness. You're hiding hiding and playing small doesn't serve the world you have genius within you step into it claim it own it bring it forth because someone needs your genius someone needs your gifting they may not even know of right now and you have a ripple effect that will happen that'll last far beyond your time on earth if you step into and claim your genius i love it thank you mike it has been a pleasure encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Mike and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, 
champions of talent and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.